Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. It is I, your host, Jeff Jawaskin, welcoming you to a bonus episode of Classic Conversations, where we do it crossing the stream style. That's right. You're in for a treat. Three segments from our live show, Crossing the Streams, are coming at you in just a few minutes. What is Crossing the Streams? It's our weekly live show that we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time answering the universal question, what should I be watching? What should I be binging? I just finished. What should I watch next? Any of those things keep you up at night. Crossing the Streams is there to answer all your TV binge watching needs. Over 75 episodes of the show streaming on YouTube. Search The Jeff Jawaskin Show. Check those out. It's myself, Sal D'Amelio, Bob Phillips, Ron Lippett, Howard Rosner, bringing you the best in TV binge watching. We have over a thousand years of TV watching experience. That may be exaggerated. I'm not sure. But we also bring in guests every week to share their favorite shows that they've been binging. Keeping it fresh, keeping it real. This bonus episode, we have Brian Green from the commercial break talking about Royal Family one of his favorite BBC shows. Howard Rosner is talking about The Golden Hour, The Making of Days of Thunder. And Bob Phillips is going to talk to us all about the TV show, What We Do in the Shadows. Lots of great stuff coming your way. Take it all in and then start binging. All right, let's kick things off with Brian Green. This comes from episode 66. You can check out the full episode on YouTube. And in the meantime, here's that one segment where Brian told us all about Royal Family. Take it away, Brian. Pressure is on for Brian Green. Twofold. Royal. One, to make us forget about the Royal Treatment Review that Sal did last time. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Royal family from the BBC. Okay. Brian always comes to the table with a with the BBC show. with a yeah. how British comedy, usually with a British comedy. And so here we go. So this is one of the more critically acclaimed shows that that I've watched. That's in my British comedy lineup. So from 1998 to 2000, this show ran. It had three se- three regular seasons and then a number of specials from 2006 to 2008. It is a it's what they call the British call, and I, I wrote it down because I don't I don't want to get it wrong. Um, kitchen sink drama or kitchen sink comedy, which is right. hmm. yeah, I can see you shaking your or um, nodding. Uh, so I, I'm sure you're familiar. It's a British acting style or British writing style, script writing style that was presented in live theater back in the mid 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And basically, it went away from surrealism or idealism and very much into realism about the middle class working families. And they call it kitchen sink drama. It's kind of like the people sitting around a kitchen mm. table talking about their everyday lives. The little, the minutiae we all talk about with our wives and our friends and our brothers and our sisters. And this is very much in that style. It is, there is almost 
there's so little plot in every episode, but the season overarches with a, a wedding or a pregnancy, something very basic and something very real that would happen to all of us in our family lives without being over dramatic like some of these television shows have these crazy plots or silliness or a lot of absurdity. This is none of that. It's people sitting around a television. It's mainly filmed inside of one room in a home, and they are the royals, which is a mother, a father, a teenage boy, and an older daughter um, who has a boyfriend who's also a big part of the show. They sit on couches, and they watch TV the entire time, and it's about the interactions that happen yeah. while they're sitting there watching these television shows. They're smoking cigarettes, they're eating, they're, someone's running to the store, someone's mm. making you know biscuits and tea in the kitchen. Sometimes they film in the kitchen, but biscuits almost- Biscuits and in, tea. Yeah, biscuits and tea. They almost- I love that. Never leave this house. I actually did actually in the regular three, the first, the only three seasons that they had in the regular series, they never left the home. They went upstairs a couple times. You really only sit here in with this family in this living room. And to me, like the first couple of episodes, it was almost like, I want to say like culture shock. Like, hey, where's the, when are you guys going to leave the home? When is Mm. something interesting going to happen? When are you, when is the other shoe drop? But it never does. It just becomes a story about this very real middle class, lower middle class family in Manchester. But there is uh, subtle humor, there is subtle emotion, there is sadness, there is happiness, but of the kind that you would experience in your very non-dramatic but dramatic life, in, but in your own way, in your own perspective. And I think it got to me as a kid who grew up, this is very much of the time too, so they're not writing in, they're not writing a, a script from 1970. They're not writing a script from 2030. They're writing it when it's happening right there. So it's all the yeah. things that are going on in the world in, you know, 1998, uh, 1999-2000, they're writing about that stuff and talking about it in those series. Quick break, and we're back. This one, seven BAFTAs. It is the, it was uh, by the, I don't want to get this right too, the British Film Institute voted it the 30, number 31 on their top 100 television shows of all time. The BBC hmm. uh, ranked it number 19 on their list of greatest television shows of all time. The father, played by Ricky Tomlinson, who is this kind of this crumud, old curmudgeon, you know, guy who just sits on the couch. He doesn't work. The, the wife works. He was actually voted number three out of the best actors of all time for this role that he played for three fucking seasons. And this was written by the daughter who's in played as she was in her 20s and her boyfriend, who then becomes her fiance, who then becomes her husband. It was written by those two. Every episode was written by those two. So, and they're young. You know, they're in their they're in their twenties when they're playing at, at they're playing the character, and they're in their twenties in real life. And I just think it's a fascinating piece of realism, and it's funny. Like once you once you get attached to the characters, a couple episodes in, then you get to know their personalities, and it's very much a st- study in character development. And I just am was fascinated by it. And I wish there was more. I wish there was a number of seasons. The specials are kind of hit or miss. They have like Christmas specials every year for a couple of years. Mm. Um, They're kind of hit or miss and they move away from the style that I think really made it attractive to me but it is subtly very funny in that british way that only only people in the uk can get it's manchester so it's working class with very thick accents so turn your subtitles on Uh, but it is a really it's a really well-crafted show and by episode number three if you're like me by episode number three you're totally into all of these characters and you're sitting with them for an hour you know on netflix or whatever i watch on amazon prime i think you're sitting for for an hour. You're in their lives, it, but in the lives of some very real human beings, not some crazy, you know, absurdist comedy, which I like also, by the way. So I recommend this highly if you're 
you know, if that at all interests you, that kind of character study, that realism, that kitchen sink drama, as they call it, get into it because it's one of the best. How many seasons? Three. Three seasons. Okay. And where can I see it? You can see it on Amazon Prime BBC. (coughs) So I think that Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, you'll get this show at BritBox. You can sign up for their 30-day free trial through Amazon Prime. That's what that that's what I was going to ask you. I wanted to know because I had I watched some other things the other day on Amazon Prime, and I thought, okay, I've paid for all Amazon Prime. <laughs> now I've got it. That's like, where they get you. Yeah, cuckoo head yeah. And streaming. Yeah, yeah. You know, Juji yep. bees or whatever. Right. It's such <laughs> a now I finder. Gotta, right, I get it. But like, what yeah. you have to do is yeah. You can actually, I'm sorry, it's it's on Prime right now. You do not have to get the BBC. You can watch the, okay. the three seasons. The three you got to be careful on Hulu for that, too, by the way. Yes. Hulu you click yeah, on, you you click on a show, you think it's like, yeah. and all of a sudden you're watching, you're paying for HBO twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if, exactly. you're, if you're an Anglophile, BritBox is worth it. Uh, we were going back and forth between BritBox and Acorn, which is the other service. Yeah, and I got BritBox them, seems yeah. to be winning oh, out. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the worst is Peacock. It's like, oh, look, oh. here's the same shit you saw on nbc last week but now you're paying for it what <laughs> they do have yeah. some uh original material they rebooted say by the bell punky brewster oh. <laughs> and uh they have a mcgruber show i watched the, the first oh, one God. i love mcgruber <laughs> i love mcgruber too that was funny but there's a whole series now they i only watched the first episode because that was free and then uh but i'm i would consider it i think they're supposed to have this horrible Joe versus Carol for the like a Joe Exotic. Yes, uh, that's Tiger coming King, up. Right? Oh, right. Kate McKinnon. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was totally supposed miscast. to be it was supposed to be uh Nick Cage as Joe Exotic, and then they went with John yeah. Cameron Mitchell. Oh. Who, yeah. who works, but I mean I, 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 I don't need any more Tiger King. I don't either. The yeah, set either. whatever that second season was, was I, I didn't even I watched watch. two went, episodes and went, I didn't, we only watched the first one because we were yeah. trapped in the pandemic. All right, that was Brian Green with Royal Family. Check out his podcast, The Commercial Break. Good friend of the show. And how much did you learn about other British add-ons that you can get with Amazon? Had no idea, but there you go. Boom, you love British shows. I guess there's a whole world that awaits you. All right, well, without further ado, let's move on to What We Do in the Shadows. This is from episode 47, Bob Phillips. Take it away, Bob. What we do in the shadows. I'm excited to hear Bob talk about this. This looks amazing. If my mic works, are we on? Are we good? Yeah, it's working. Okay. So so I have to say that I'm not a big fan of episodic TV. And so to get into this, it took some doing for me because I don't want to have to be anchored to something for weeks and weeks at a time, except the Dexter reboot. What we do in the shadows is the funniest show I've seen in years. Naja. Nandor and Laszlo and uh, Colin Robinson are four vampires that live in this ridiculous house on Staten Island. <laughs> and it is the, the wacky exploits of these four idiots, uh, three of which are traditional vampires in that they turn into bats when they need to. They uh, fry in the, the, the sun. Um, good choice, Jerry. They uh, all the traditional uh, blood sucking stuff, but Colin Robinson is different. He lives in this house, but he's what they call a daywalker. 
because mm. he's he doesn't have the superpowers. He doesn't drink blood. He is an energy vampire. <laughs> and his power is actually boring people to death or enraging them. And he feeds off the anxiety and their anger when he's when he's just driving them crazy with his banality, right? And so you can imagine that uh, it, it sets up a lot of fish out of water stuff. Uh, uh, the four actors that do this show are all comedians, and I don't know that they all stand it out. Or, excuse me, I don't know if they all started out as uh, stand-ups and became comedic actors, but they all have stand-up backgrounds. They all have improv backgrounds, which really kind of sets the show apart. It's a single What's camera. Jermaine? Was Jermaine Clement one of them? Is Jermaine Clement one of them? He, from the original? I think he shows up later on. He's a producer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, it was. I think he did the original show that it was based on. Or I think it might have been. Yeah. A, there was a, a two thousand documentary movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ta- yeah. Ta- yeah. Ta- yeah. Um, it's a movie uh, for uh, this. It's it all up. Yeah. Right. 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 That was Jermaine Clement. Not, yeah. I, also, I, I that haven't was seen that. In the shadows. The movie. Yeah, yeah, right. And they were going to have a sequel, What We Do in the Daylight, but it didn't come out. Anyway, this uh, it, it's a single camera shoot. It's just absurd. It's about half scripted, half improv. And I one of these days, they're going to put out outtakes for this show, and it's just going to be ridiculously funny. Nick Kroll is a regular nemesis. He shows up. Nick Kroll. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. In one of the earlier episodes, uh, he and uh, Laszlo are fighting over this hat that's made out of witch's skin and uh, that it's a cursed hat and they both want it. And even though every time they put it on, something horrible happens to them within seconds, they both are fighting after. It's just absurd. The storylines are crazy. Doug Jones plays... uh, the leader of the vampires, this, uh, I don't know what you'd call him, uh, king of the vamps, right? And he comes to live with them in their house, and they want to kill him, but they're so inept they can't pull it off, and he wants to go on a night on the town in Manhattan, and they wind up going to a rave and biting these people who are all drugged out, so they become drugged out, and they can't get home in time. <laughs> it's, it's it's just uh and and the fact Colin Robinson the energy vampire he's he in fact they always call him Colin Robinson it's never Colin it's Colin Robinson and he's just a bore and he drags everybody down uh, but he does have some usefulness when uh people need to be bored to death and they employ him in that manner so there's a lot of stuff going on in this show what i love about it is that in one show, in one show, they had Tilda Swinton, Paul Rubens, Dave Bautista, Vanessa Bayer from uh, Saturday Night Live, Haley Joel Osment, Evan Rachel Wood, oh and Annie Trejo. All in one show, they played a good the group. vampirical council that were trying these four morons for trying to kill the king of the vampires. So I'm only on season one. I'm done with that. Hysterical. I uh, can't wait for number two. So how many seasons are there? Because I think they just I just looked it up. It's four seasons. They just started a new one, I think. Yeah. And, and I just recognize. Can. Yeah. 
uh, Bob, the, the, the actor, Mark is his last name. Proksh, Proksh, uh, yes. yeah. uh, who plays, who plays the vampire who sucks the energy <laughs> that, that is the same actor who plays price on uh, better call Saul, which is one of oh, the best, right. Right. One yeah, of the yeah. best characters on better call Saul. So that, that's a talented dude. I'm going to have to check this show out. Yeah. Colin Robinson. He gets in a fight with, um, the former SNL girl. I can't remember. Vanessa Bayer. She comes into his office and challenges him for supremacy because she's an emotional vampire. She's she's bringing the whole office down, bumming everybody out. And he's seeing that he he can't suck the life out of them by boring them to death. And they it's I don't want to tell you what happens, but it's a really funny episode. Funny show, man. Really. Yeah, I I think if I'm not mistaken. I was going to say, I think uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, Jermaine's from uh, Flight of the Concords, um, you know, if you if you don't know, plus, you know, he's had some fantastic movie roles, Dinner dinner for Schmucks, he was fantastic in that, amongst yeah. other movies, but uh, uh, I think they created it, and that's why it's got that uh, total sarcastic edge to it, which is very, it's a, a lot of the Australian and New Zealand comedies that have, have been out over the past, um, uh, what was it, uh, God, I've done was it Jonah or something? I can't remember on HBO. They they all have that super sarcastic edge to it, which is uh, which is great. One of the things I like about it, I'll wrap up my uh, review, is that um, they are respectful and you can tell they love vampire lore. So they have just enough special effects to pull off, you know, the flying and the um, the creepy stuff going on, but they don't dwell on it. Quick break and we're back. The That's funny stuff always happens in the dialogue. It's not like charmed, <laughs> where it's just bad. No. Special <laughs> I, I went to watch the. I went to watch this years ago, Bob, yeah. and I would. I convinced myself I had to watch the movie first, and I couldn't yeah. find the movie anywhere for free. So I just. I never did it, <laughs> and I never watched it. So I'm you cheap up. bastard. No, I, I don't know what the movie's like, but the series stands up all on its own. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in. You convinced Casey Ryan plot that was fantastic. Nice job, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Phillips, very. By the way, line of the night goes to Fred De Carroll. By the way, the, his quick one uh, one liner there: boxing vampires. All right, Bob Phillips. What we do in the shadows from episode forty-seven. Check that out. It's hilarious. And now our final show for this episode, all the way back from episode 19, The Golden Hour, The Making of Days of Thunder with Howard Rosner. Take it away, Roz. The Golden Hour. Yeah. Obviously, we've mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of sports documentaries. Is this a Rosner rant? No, 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 not yet. It's coming. Give me one sec. Uh, I mean, huge fan (laughs) of sports documentaries. I also, like, look, it's... Is it a great life-changing movie? No, but Days of Thunder is so quotable in everyday life that you know people utilize lines like "rubbing his rays" constantly, and I, I think it is part of um, it's it's become part of pop culture beyond uh, just the movie. And and I love making of of movies that have that kind of charm and memorability. Uh, I love, I, I don't think there's enough making of, especially when it's an interesting story. This is the roster's rant, how, though. As much as I love Days of Thunder, it was dawned on me as I was re-watching this, what Tom Cruise 
foisted on the American public in the late 80s, early mid to 80s to early 90s, which is he did the same exact movie four or five times. All he did was change the occupation. Cocktail, all the right moves, Top Gun, Days of Thunder, simple. Young hotshot, sparks a big leap in his career, has a great moment, meets a girl, has a great relationship, then has horrible moment, friend gets in trouble or dies, has low points, redemption at end of movie. Now, granted, that's a lot of American movies, <laughs> I realize, but Tom Cruise did it exactly the same. Yeah, he I like formulas. Formulas work. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so this is the making of Days of Thunder, and uh, it's it's on Fox Sports. Uh, you can also find it on YouTube. It's really quick. This is a documentary that's not overly long. It hits everything you need to know. It's, it's amazing for a bunch of reasons. First of all, where the idea that Tom Cruise, it was all Tom Cruise's idea to do Days of Thunder. And where it came from was... Cocktail? No, no. When he was shooting... When he was shooting Color of Money with Paul Newman, for those that don't know, Paul Newman was a big race car driver, really good driver, and a a racing team owner. So he and Paul Newman would drive sports cars together. And they went during that. At one point in time, they were invited to uh, go to Daytona and see NASCAR's run. They actually let him get out and drive. Rick Hendrick, who's team owner uh, still to this day, Rick uh, was Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson's team owner. They let Tom Cruise drive the car and he was hooked. And he went to Jerry Bruckheimer and said, we have to make a NASCAR movie. They said, you know, well, let's find a writer. And they found a writer uh, who did a great screenplay. And uh, then they had to convince the folks from NASCAR to do it because there had been NASCAR movies done before but they were stroker ace and movies like that didn't stroke you know, I, I know it's funny but it's not a good movie um anyways they they eventually sold it in what, what i found really cool about it again having worked in nascar now for quite a while was the level of detail that they had to go to make this movie the way they wanted to they actually had created actual race cars, got actual race car drivers, mounted cameras in the car, but made the cars legal to where they could actually qualify them for a race and run camera cars as part of the actual entered field in a race, not just cars that were out there running slow filming stuff. They had those too during pace laps, but they actually had race cars that they were, if you look back at the history of the race, those were entered cars in the race, in the running order, which is amazing. I think it's just great. They get into a lot. The movie was, Days of Thunder was directed by Tony Scott, who directed Top Gun. His wife is also interviewed throughout this and talks a lot about his creative process. He was an artist by trade as well. It's really a quick watch. If you like Days of Thunder, find it at all memorable. I think it's a really fun little making of, and uh, I enjoyed it uh, immensely. I give it uh, three jars of matzo ball soup. Isn't that where he met Nicole Kidman? Nicole Kidman. I was just going to say it, that. It, it is. That yeah. is Nicole Kidman at her absolute hottest. Okay, it's, guys, uh, I don't want this to, to slide by. Hang on one second. <laughs> <laughs> That was my uh, that was my uh, uh, 
what you would call it from uh, Lebowski. Big Lebowski. That was Halloween. That was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was funny. Well, that was uh, my Walter Subject costume from uh, uh, Big Lebowski. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you forget uh, Carrie Elwes was in it. And uh, as was Michael Rooker, uh, Michael Rooker gets asked about it and he says, uh, I have no idea how I got this movie. I suck at auditions and I had to audition for it. And uh, somehow or another, they loved me um, and to love him for the character Rowdy Burns. Um, and the other th- there's another story they tell that's pretty amazing, which is when Cruz drove for the drove the car. He drove Jeff Bodine's car, who was you know racer for a long time, and Rick Hendrick owned that car. And then after he ran, they went across the street to the Olive Garden, which is across the street from Daytona. It's still there. They sat down and got drunk and shot the shit. And Jeff Bodine and Rick Hendrick started telling stories, real shit that happened. And the stories... It, it was the stories that are in the movie Days of Thunder. The rental car scene was based on a true story. The wheelchair thing was, you know, based on something that had happened. The dressing the uh, the stripper up as a policewoman to surprise him after a win, like that. Those were all stories that they told drunk at the Olive Garden, and they all became part of the script, which is which is awesome. I love that they were all based in reality. So yeah, if you like the movie, I I recommend it immensely. So if you yeah. hate Tom Cruise and you think he's a putz, is the documentary still hold up? Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise, and I do think he's a putz, but he had, he's a. I love his movies. I have to admit. Casey Ryan plot is convinced. Congratulations. Jerry says great show guys. I agree. Great show. Everybody. I I like Tom Cruise. I, um, I can't turn the channel fast enough. If he comes on. It it depends. You know, a lot of his movies I think are really good. Um, what's the the one where it's the Spielberg one where the, the not war. The That one was, uh, I didn't love war of the worlds actually. Um, that one was, wasn't realistic. <laughs> was it Minority Report? Yes, Minority Report. Way more Love. realistic one. Well, it yeah. wasn't realistic <laughs> to me about the future, my, the future about, series. about the uh, War of the Worlds was at the end where like all his family was fine. It just didn't. Yeah, I mean, it just, what do you mean where uh, the Martians came in? That was the realistic part. That was I mean, you're supposed to <laughs> suspend your disbelief, right? So I could I could accept that. I couldn't accept the fact that <laughs> his entire family ended up okay at his house. Did, did anybody see him jump out of an airplane with James Corden last year? Him in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, this is what Jerry just put. In Tropic Thunder, that character <laughs> is the greatest character. What is this, uh, Goodman oh, or whatever? On. He's amazing in A Few Good Men. He's amazing yep. in Rain Man. He's amazing. Legend. legend. He's amazing in Color of Money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, you know. He's good. He's great. He's I like all the Mission Impossible movies. Are, are Mission Impossible movies are fine. Yeah. That's, the Mission I, Impossible. Except, and like, except two. The, what it, what he did with Mission Impossible, I always thought was brilliant, like bringing in different directors every time and stylistically making each one of those movies different. I thought it was a, a brilliant move. I thought All it was right. awesome and lost in translation. Hey. All right, Howard, in the golden hour. You may have heard us laughing at one point. You're going to have to go to the live show on YouTube, episode 19. See the visual, the photo we were showing, to see what all the laughs were all about. Always a good time. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but there's a drinking game that goes along with watching Crossing the Streams. If you watch live, it's a lot of fun. Good time. So check that out. But I hope you enjoyed the segments from episode 19, 47, and 66 today. Royal Family, The Golden Hour, and What We Do in the Shadows. Great stuff. So your homework. Grab a remote. Find your favorite place on the couch. Cross your own streams. And we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.